Maranatha, Jesus. Maranatha, Maranatha, Yamaradi, Hallelujah! Obedia mami 
Can you all hear me, please? All right. I believe you are all doing well. Can you all hear me? All right, all right, all right. We give God praise. I want to welcome all of you to this evening's session. 
of the prophetic training. God bless you. Jemima, how are you doing? It's been a long time. Wow. My regards to daddy and the rest of the family. God bless you. God bless you. Hallelujah. Amen. All right, the Lord bless you and favor you greatly. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Please share the link. Share the link. Share the link. Invite all your friends and loved ones to be partakers of the grace of God that is available this evening. Amen. All right. All right. Let's take a word of prayer before we dive into the word of God. Ancient of days, we give you praise, we give you glory. We honor you for such a time as this in your presence. According to your will, you have purposed this day even before the foundations of the world. And the people whose hearts are burning for you will gather once again. And by your spirit, you pour out mysteries of your purpose even unto them. Be thou glorified, mighty Father, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. It is our prayer this evening that you pour upon us the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Open our eyes, O God, enlighten the eyes of our understanding, that we may know the hope of the calling that you have called us with. We know once again that your mercies have located us. And this evening we declare that we walk in light in the name of the Lord Jesus. And as your word cometh, the scripture says that the entrance of thy word giveth light and it giveth understanding unto the simple. As your word cometh, mighty Father, let your light shine. And let this light actually be the lamp that we use even on our path. In the name of the Lord Jesus, help us, eternal Father, and let your will be done. We give you glory. In Jesus' precious mighty name, amen. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. It's a wonderful blessing to have all of you here. God bless you, Lady Pastor Becklin. God bless you, Phoebe. God bless you, Van Elsie. God bless you, Justin. God bless you, Dakar Prince. God bless you, Jemima. God bless you, Amefriye. God bless you, Kwesi Curtis. God bless you, Father Dixon. God bless you, Peter Wells. God bless you, Samuel Ntie. God bless you, son. Pharaoh. God bless you, Fevered Ya Israel. God bless you, wonderful Jesus. God bless you, mommy. J. Mary, God bless you. Hallelujah. Alice Donko, God bless you. Flora, God bless you. Amma Adam, God bless you. Amen. Amen. It looks like it takes quite some time before some, some of you can hear me. But I don't know where the problem is coming from. I don't know whether it's the network. 
It looks like those in the diaspora can hear me quickly, but those in Ghana and the other neighboring countries, they can hear me quickly. I don't know whether it is the African network, but I know the Lord will help us. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, the Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. Amen. Okay. By the special grace of God, and, um, since we entered into the new year, the Lord has spoken a lot to me that I need to share with His people. But because we engaged in the 14 days prayers and fasting experience, it has been prayer throughout. So we've not actually had time to engage ourselves in the Word of God. But thanks be to God that this evening, the Lord's mercies have located us. Hallelujah. And the Lord has appointed this day even for us to know glorious things in His wonderful counsel. And I beg you in the name of the Lord that you open your heart, your spirit, your mind, even to hear what the Lord has to say. Hallelujah. And I know you will leave this place highly enlightened by the word of God. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. So I've started this series in church and the theme, the theme actually is the inheritance of the saints. The inheritance of the saints. Hallelujah. The inheritance of the saints. In the book of Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. There is Paul writing to the church at Colos. And in his epistle, he began to speak some deeper mystical secrets in the counsel of God to them. And in verse 12 of Colossians chapter 1, that is what Paul said, Giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Giving thanks unto the Father. Okay. Alright, so that is how the New Living Translation also puts it. Always thanking the Father, He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to the people who live in the light. <laughs> Hallelujah. And the King James says, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Now, according to this scripture, Paul is telling the church at Colos that they should give thanks to the Father because he has made them meet and that word made them meet actually means that the father has qualified them to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light hallelujah now i want us to break this scripture down so that we all can understand it 
Okay, that is how the, the Passion Translation also puts it. Your heart can soar with joyful gratitude when you think of how God made you worthy to receive the glorious inheritance freely given to us by living in the light. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amazing. Amazing. Now, according to this scripture, Paul is trying to tell us that there is what we call the inheritance. And this inheritance that there is, we are thanking God because He, God, the Father, has qualified us to be partakers of, those, of that inheritance that is. Are you following? Now, the word of the Lord is trying to make us understand that that inheritance is in light. And that's how the King James put it. He says, giving thanks unto the Father which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Oh, hallelujah. Now, let's break that scripture down so that we all will understand what Paul was trying to communicate to the church in Colos. Now, the first thing we need to understand here is that there are two words that I want us to have an understanding about. And these two words actually fall part of the theme of this message or the title of the message. The first word is inheritance and the second word is seeds. The first word is inheritance and the second word is seed. Hallelujah. Now, what is inheritance? What is inheritance? I want somebody to give me a simple, basic, class one definition that you know. Inheritance. When we say inheritance, what is inheritance? Oh, I'm still waiting on. Okay, Justin said something an individual receives from a predecessor. Okay, Father Dixon says something which one can obtain rightfully from another person. Okay, okay, any other? Okay, Evans said, the assets that an individual bequeaths to loved ones after they pass away. Okay. J. Mary says something which we came and meet from our forefathers. I see. Wow. Great, great. I love the way we are all giving our view of what the word inheritance actually is. Hallelujah. Somebody said it could be a birthright. Okay. Another person said inheritance is legacy. Okay. Ben says inheritance from the word inherent 
meaning something one possess because of a connection to a bloodline. Okay. Bevelin O'Day says, an enlightenment one gets from another one's connected. Okay. An enlightenment one gets from another one's connected to a certain bloodline. I see. Great. Helen said, properties of valuables that are passed on from one generation to the other. Beautiful. Beautiful. Wow. It's a glorious thing to have all of you here sharing your understanding about the word inheritance. Michael Agri also said to succeed properties. Okay. And Elvis said it is something you get from a relative. Okay. That's beautiful. All right, people of God. Let us actually look at the way the word of the Lord, the original Greek, puts the word inheritance. Now, any time you hear the word inheritance, in fact, the, the Greek word here is the word kleros. Kleros. And it says, it is something that is obtained by lot or an allotted portion unto someone. Are you following? But if you go into that one, many of us will get confused. But that is what I want you to understand about the word inheritance. It is actually It is a lot or a property. A lot. When you say lot, L-O-T. A lot or a property that is to be received by an heir. You know what the Bible says? Uh, I'm talking about H-E-I-R. It is a lot or a property that is to be received by an heir. And as we go on, we understand who an heir is. Hallelujah. Good. Now, so the word inheritance actually speaks of a lot or when we say a lot, let's understand. In the Jewish understanding, you know, there was something they used to do. They call it casting the lot. When Jesus died, people casted lot on who was supposed to take his garment. And when they casted the lot, it fell on someone. And the person now took the garment of Jesus' home. Are you following so whenever we when the bible speaks of a lot it's actually speaking of the fact that we are now talking about the portion of something that is put down for someone to possess are you following so in the book of proverbs chapter 13 verse 22 Proverbs chapter 13, verse 
22 the bible said a good man leaveth inheritance to his children's children and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just a good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children now understand that he did not just say to his children because if you only leave an inheritance to your immediate children you have done well but you cannot be classified as a good man according to the scriptures because what you have done is that you have just been responsible and that's all mm, hallelujah Are you following? But when someone leaves an inheritance for his children's children, we are now talking about grandchildren, that person is classified to be a good man because he has gone beyond the generation of his own children into their unborn generation. And then that's not what I'm talking about. I want to talk about the fact that an inheritance has been laid. And this will let you understand things clearly as we journey throughout the scriptures. So now, an inheritance actually speaks of the portion or an allotted area of a particular thing or property that is supposed to be received or possessed by an heir. And then, the next word we should understand is the word saint. Saint, S-A-I-N-T, Saint. You know, when we were in senior high school, we were afraid of the word Saint. We used, they, used to, they used to tell us that the guy will free Saint, guy will free Saint. And when we see the guy, we will be afraid. Because we thought, when, some, when we see will be free Saint, and it is a dependent some kind of occultic spirits be. You understand? Is that not how we were brainwashed to think? And even to date, that some of you, that's what you still believe. Saint, saint. And that is one of the reasons why some unlearned people don't want to go to Catholic Church. Because before you enter into any Catholic Church, every Catholic Church has a specific name. Saint Teresa's Catholic Church. Saint this, Saint this. So people think that the Catholics are actually dealing with some occultic spirits that they call them saints. And if you are like that, you have not read your Bible. There is a problem you have. Are you getting my point? Because when you read your Bible, your Bible does not say a saint is an occultic spirit that people call for money. So change your mind. What does the Bible mean by saying the word saint? In fact, the word saint is the word hagios, which actually is the, which means holy. Hagios, which means holy. Are you following? And the word holy actually means to be separated 
for a purpose. So I can enter maybe my drawer. When I pull the drawer, I can see maybe 50 notes, 50 hundred CDs notes. But then I would decide to pick only one and use that as an offering on the altar. So mostly my wife, for instance, whenever she gets some money in her hands, she will look for the one that looks brand new. And she will never buy anything with it. She will make sure that she puts that on the altar. She will use that as an offering or as for tithe or anything that has to do with giving in the house of God. Do you know what she's trying to do? She's separating that money only for a kingdom giving purpose. So what it means is that that money has become holy amongst the other notes. So whenever you pick something out of the lot and decide to use it purposely for something specific, you have separated that thing. And that thing now becomes a holy thing. And that thing now becomes a saint. Are you following? So whenever we say some, something is holy, it does not mean it is a sinless thing. Or let me say that thing does, can, does not sin. Whenever you hear the word holy, don't quickly think about sin. Because holiness does not move with sin at all. Yay. Okay, let me say this. Do you know God is holy and he was actually holy before sin entered the world? I hope you know that. So what made God holy and still is making him holy? What made God holy when sin had not yet entered the world? Nothing, nobody knew about sin. So the holiness of God is not sinlessness, that God does not sin. It is an impossible reality for God to sin. Are you listening to me? When we say God is holy, it means he has been separated from all things. He lives in his own class. And it is out of the holiness of God that we say there is none like God. Are you following? And the class that God lives in is actually called light. In the book of First Timothy chapter 6, First Timothy chapter 6, verse 16. Listen to what the scripture says. The Bible said, he's talking about God, and he said, Who only has immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Okay, the NLT makes it simple for we the babes to understand. And he says, he alone can never die. He's talking about immortality. And he lives in light so brilliant that no human can approach him. 
No human eye has ever seen him, nor ever will. All honor and power to him forever. Amen. Now, if you listen to the way Paul is speaking, eh? <laughs> Paul is trying to say, I love the part he said, nor ever will. What Paul is trying to say, it doesn't matter how you are lifted, you will never see God. He said, no man can ever see. We'll come to that side. So what makes God holy is that he lives in his own realm, in his own class, in his own light. Are you following? God has separated himself even from creation. This will let you now understand that the separation of God from creation was one of the things, in fact, it is one of the things that will let man continue to think and think and think and think about God and will never understand who he is. And because God separated himself from creation, there is no creature in his creation that can touch him or undo his plans. You need this as a believer. Are you following? This is to let you also know that whenever you get angry because things are not going well for you in life, and you say you will not serve God again. You are fooling your own self because you don't know what you are saying. It is a privilege on your side to serve God. Are you getting my point? That is why whenever you are too weak and you think we serve, we serve God for things, you'll be doing yourself a great harm. Your marriage is not the reason why God exists. But He can touch your marriage. But whether He touches your marriage or not, He's still God. It does not change anything. And you need this understanding. Are you following? Even the word existence exists in him. Oh, amazing. Your situation is too tiny to say there is no God. Your situation. You, your marriage. Because of your marriage, you say you won't serve God again. You are too minute. When we begin to go beyond the dimensions of God's systems and you want to go to God in the realm of His holiness, don't you? That is why one of the greatest things, or let me say one of the greatest, I will call it attribute of God, is that He is holy. And He should be the first in all the attributes. Every other attribute we give to God is based on what he has done for us. It is actually based on his benevolence to the human race. Are you following? So when you call God a gracious Lord, it means he has shown you grace. When you say God is merciful, he has manifested mercy towards you. 
But when you say God is holy, you don't come in. Are you getting my point? You, you don't come into the holiness of God. You don't come into the picture. It is no more about your life or about your destiny. At that moment, you don't give God a name based on what he has done. It is a dimension you need to go beyond yourself to understand. Else you will not get it. And that is why it is very difficult for humans to understand the holiness dimension of God. Hallelujah. God does not depend on anything. Every other thing depends on God. Everything depends on God. He does not depend on anything. And I want to tell you something so that you will fear God and serve Him well. Are you getting my point? And as we journey, you will understand. The Bible said, it is this God that dwells in light that cannot be approached by any man. Now, this God can come down from that realm of light and start creation. What it means is that that realm of immortality where God dwells is even beyond eternity. It is not the eternal realm. It is a realm before eternity began. So even eternity had a beginning. Are you following? But the beginning of eternity is in a realm that cannot be known. And that is why mostly we say that the word eternal means something without beginning and without end. But if you want to journey into the dimensions of God's light, you will realize that even eternity has beginning. Are you following? Oh, blessed be God. How many of us believe that when God began to create the world, Moses was not there with God physically? We all know that. But now Moses is telling us how God created the world. That he said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. How did he know that? The spirit of Moses was captured into what we call eternity past. And in the eternity past, he began to capture how God became a creator. And he began to create. So you see, the deepest and the foundational revelation that Moses had was from that dimension. How creation began. So Moses began to speak to us about the creativity of God or God as a creator. But then, what happened before God created things? Because along the line, God began to speak to people. He began to reveal some of his plans to people. 
For instance, you have been created and you don't know why you were created. You need to journey into the mind of your creator. Are you getting it? Meeting your creator alone is not all you need. Because your creator had a plan in his mind before he created you. So you can bypass the creator's physical body and journey into his mind. And once you, enter, once you enter into the mind of the creator, you will now know the purpose of creation. So meeting the creator and knowing how he created is good, but it is not enough. So God had to raise men who were also captured into the mind of the creator. And when men journeyed beyond the creator's creation or act of creation and they entered into the ways of creation. Now you know, the word of the Lord says that the act of God was with the Israelites, but his ways were made known unto Moses. Moses only wrote to us how the creation began. But then there were dimensions of things that he knew that he could not say. And the reason why he could not see some of these things was because there was a certain covering on it. And God began to unveil this covering to men. Now, one of the coverings that God unveiled to the men, or let me say to some of the apostles, was that God had been himself before creation began. And the name of God is not God. Are you following? God is not a name. So God actually has a name. But most of the names we give to God are based on his benevolence towards us. So we call him Jireh because he has provided. We call him Shalom because he gives us peace. So what is that about when you are not in the picture? What is God called? Are you following? God is trying to let you know that every dimension of himself has a name. If you don't know, you don't know. So whenever God wants to change the dimensions of men, the first thing he would do that he would change their names because your name is the realm and the dimension you operate in are you following so moses is speaking to us about how god created he's speaking to us about god as a creator but then john the revelator was captured into the heavenlies. And when he was captured into the heavenlies, he met the Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus was telling him to write letters to the seven churches. Then in Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, this is what the Lord Jesus told John. He said, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, 
These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Mm. The beginning of the creation of God. What it means is that Jesus is telling John that to the Laodicean church, tell him, tell them that I am the Amen. And what is that Amen? I am the beginning of God's creation. So that word Genesis 1:1, in the beginning, God created. That beginning is a person. And that person is the Lord Jesus. What it means is that without Jesus, there is no creation. So the beginning of God's creation is a person. Do you know what it means? God moved from all those dimensions that were beyond and he stepped into a dimension called Amen. Then creation began. So creation began from a point called Amen. And that point is called beginning. No wonder Jesus will now come and say, I am the beginning and the end. So you see, Amen is not the end of a prayer. Amen is the beginning of God's creation. And that is the Lord Jesus. Are you following? Good. I've not started my message. I'm just trying to lay a simple foundation. Now, okay, somebody's asking, why do we say Amen? Mostly we say Amen because looking at it from this point of understanding, the moment Jesus says he's the beginning, definitely he will also say he's the end. Are you getting it? And what he's trying to say is that it doesn't matter how things begin, the same point of beginning would definitely be the same point of end. And I've been explaining this. And because the same point of beginning will definitely be the same point of the end, then it is what it is. Nothing changes from the beginning. I don't know if you are catching it. Let me make it simple. The simplest form of the, the simplest understanding of the word Amen that we know is that it means so shall it be. Is that not so? Enyeho. So be it. And that meaning so be it actually comes from the understanding of the beginning and the end. So just as it has begun, so shall it be at the end. So when you want to create a circle, mostly the same place you started the circle is where you will end it. And I wish we all can catch a certain deep revelation here. There is something that God is doing. If you don't know, you, 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 I don't know how to say it. Let me tell you. Can I? This whole thing about creation, eh? if you don't go into the scriptures and allow the Holy Spirit to help you, you will miss a lot of things. I 
and which we can journey to know what God is actually thinking about creation. You know, some of the people can stand and insult God and they think, You don't know God. <laughs> you don't know God. The highest point you can ever insult God to is the Amen. Once you get to the Amen, you have ended. Are you getting my point? But there is God beyond Amen. Because Amen is the beginning of creation. And you, you are a creature. You can insult God because He created you. Are you following? But once you hit the point of Amen, that is all you, you can catch. You can't go further. Except God Himself decides to release a little of the light is dwelling in upon your spirit and when that comes upon your spirit you will know the things that he planned before creation began so whenever you hear any man of god any apostle in the scripture saying before the foundations of the world then the person has journeyed beyond amen Are you following? Good. And one of the people that I love is the Apostle Paul. My goodness. What a man. In fact, the man journeyed and journeyed and journeyed into the mind of God. And when he entered into the mind of God, he began to tell us some of the things that God even thought about before he became a creator. Before God became a man, before God started creation, some of the things God had to put down in his mind. And one of the things that he is telling us is that God laid down an inheritance for a people he is yet to create that he will separate them unto himself that they are called the saints. And what are these inheritances that God has laid down for those people called the saints? Are you following? Beautiful. Beautiful. Now. Now we need to understand what we call the eternal council. There was a council that was made in eternity. And this eternal council have already opened up a little bit to us that before God created, he sat in the light where nothing can approach. And whilst he was sitting in the light, that light is himself. Okay, let me explain something simple. Sometimes when you're about to eat banana, 
Can you see? You can peel. You can peel the thing. And you will not just throw it away. It will just be hanging around. Once the portion you are going to eat is in the middle. I don't know if I get what I'm saying. That is what God did. So he himself is the full banana. But then he peeled himself out. So that that part he has peeled out will be like a light. That he himself will dwell in again. So God was living in himself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you all hear me, please? Great, great, great. Now, so before God created, He peeled Himself and made it light, and He dwelt in the light. So God dwelt in himself. And when he was dwelling in himself, he did something. What he did was that he began to stretch himself. And in the stretching of himself, he formed three personalities. And these three personalities, we call one the Father. One, the Word, and one, the Spirit. And they began to take a counsel together. Understand, we are not talking about three gods. We are talking about one God spreading forth in three personalities. Are you following? 
aku. This will let you now understand that these three personalities are not gods. They are God. I don't know if you are catching what I'm saying. Good. So that Jesus is God. Who is the Word? Is God. The Father is God. The Holy Spirit is God. But the Father is not the Son. And the Son is not the Spirit. There are three personalities, but one God. Don't be confused. Amen. <laughs> For example, your spirit is you. Your soul is you. Your body is you. But you are not three men. You are one you. Are you following? Good. Now, when God stretched himself into these three dimensions, based on the kind of assignment God wanted to fulfill, that assignment was now brought between the three people. Well, let me say the three dimensions of God. And then, they began to plan everything that they were yet to make in that council. And I don't want to, I can't exhaust the councils that were taken in that realm. So that council that was taken is mostly known as the Trinitarian Council. The Council of the Trinity. Because everything in creation from beginning to end was planned in that council before creation began. So we cannot exhaust everything. But then we are only talking of one part which will bring us understanding. Hallelujah. And in this council, the three dimensions of God, the Father, the Word, and the Spirit decided that right now, in the context of what we are about to start, called creation and everything that has to do with it, we are going to make the Father the head. And we are all agreeing that the Father will be the head. And this will be the assignment of the Father. This will now also be the assignment of the Word. And this will also be the assignment of the Spirit. And when this agreement was made, The, they now began. So right now that they have understood that the Father will be the head, then the, the Word will now also be the one that receives directly from the Father and then the Spirit will now also mobilize everything into manifestation. They now decided that every first decision will be moved from the heart of the Father. And once it is moved from the heart 
of the Father, it will now be processed in the mind of the Word. And when it is processed in the mind of the Word, it will now be made manifest in the hands of the Spirit. Don't get confused. So the deepest part of all the decisions in the whole council of creation began with the heart of the Father. Then in the mind of the Word. Then in the hands of the Spirit. Very important. Heart, mind, hands. Very important. Are you following? Do you even know that the Holy Spirit is also known as the finger of God? I hope you know that. Matthew 12, 28 will let you understand. One version will say, if I cast out devils by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. Then the other, other versions will say, if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God. So the Spirit of God is the finger of God. We don't have much time to go into all that. But then the Lord is helping us. So now, the decision will first begin from the heart of the Father. It will now be processed in the mind of the Word. And then, it will be made manifest or formed in the hands of the Spirit. Now, after these arrangements were made, they now began to plan about something they call creation. That they are going to start creation. It came out of the heart of the Father. And the Father's heart declared and said, This thing called creation, we are going to create things for two main purposes. The first one will be for our glory. And the second one will be for our pleasure. Are you following? So the two main reasons why the council of creation began was for God to be pleased and also for God to be glorified. We will go into those ones later to understand what is pleasure when it comes to creation and what is glory when it comes to creation. We will understand all that. But then, after they planned everything, the Father said after all the things in creation will come to an end because we will make an end for it the only thing i want to take from the creation we are about to create will be sounds that will reveal my glory so the father said he will need sounds 
to reveal his glory. And then the word also said that I will also need a bride. And then the spirit also said that I will also need a body that I will dwell therein. So in this whole creation thing that we are seeing, the only thing that the only thing that God the Father is taking will be sons. The only thing that the Word or the Son is also taking is a bride. And the only thing that the Spirit will be taking is a body. But do you know that when you sit down quietly and you begin to look at all these three dimensions that the three personalities of God want to take out of the end of creation, you will realize that the sons that the Father will be taking are the believers. The bride of the Word is also the believers. The body that the Spirit will be dwelling in is also the believers. Are you following? Now with this, you will now know that the whole counsel of eternity was about man. And what God is going to get at the end of all the matters of creation is man. And the reason why God is doing so is because of the way he was planning to make man. Are you following? I'm trying to break it. I've not even gone into my message. Now, if God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are also going to take something from creation, then let's read something from the book of Ephesians chapter 1 and 18. What would that thing also be called to God? To, to God, that thing that he's also going to take from creation, that the Father is taking sons, the Son is also taking a bride, and the Spirit is also taking a body. The Bible said, there is a prayer that Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus from verse 17 of Ephesians chapter 1. He said that, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, even this, this verse alone is, is a message we can stay on for like two months. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. What is Father of glory? Hmm. We'll, we'll understand that later. The Father of glory may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him verse 18 the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling now this is the part i want you to take note of and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints 
Now, when you read it from the NLT, he says, Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called. Now, the next one, he said, His holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Now, what this verse of scripture is also telling us is that God himself also has an inheritance. Are you following? So there is the inheritance of the saints and there is the inheritance of God in the saints. And this is the part that will blow your mind, people of God. And mostly people don't talk about that. <laughs> but if you go into that, you will know that we are God's inheritance. I'm telling you. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know what the Bible said? The word of the Lord said, The kingdom of God is likened unto a man who saw a treasure hidden on a field, and he sold everything that he had, and he bought the field so that he would get the treasure. And the Bible said that's how the kingdom of God is likened unto now the word of the Lord also says that where your treasure is, that is where your heart is. People of God, God poured out his heart. The heart of the Father was towards us. And it was through this that his son came to die. The reason why the heart of the Father is so much after us is because there is a treasure that is hidden in this earthen vessel. And this treasure that is hidden in us is actually the inheritance of God. Hallelujah. So we have, we are saints, we have an inheritance that God has laid down for us. And that inheritance, according to the word of God, it is in light. In the light of God. And God also, we are his inheritance. We'll go into that one, but now we are talking about the inheritance of the saints. Hallelujah. How come did we, the saints, get inheritance? In fact, how did we even become saints? then. Then he be separated ones unto God's purpose. There is something that happened in eternity before time began. And we are still now in the council of the Trinity. Now, when the Trinity sat down and they began to plan about creation, and the fathers decided that he would take sons, that the son also decided that he's going to take a bride, and that the spirit also decided that it's going to take a body. They now understood and realized that 
there is only one context that we can put in creation that will allow all the three dimensions of us here to get what we are looking for. Are you following? And this context is known as the kingdom. So it is only in the thing called the kingdom of God that the father will get his sons, that the son will get his bride, and that the spirit will get his body. We'll go into that. But then, when creation was about to begin, the father now called the son, and the son came to stand before the father. And the father started making promises to the son. When he called the son, he began to release certain promises to him. Because before these promises were made, this thing is driving me to a certain dimension, but then let me help it small. They agreed that it is going to be through the Son that all things will be made. Are you following? And let me help you with a scripture. In the book of Isaiah chapter 34, verse 16. Isaiah 34, verse 16. The Bible said, Seek ye out of the book of the Lord and read. No one of these shall fail. None shall want her mate. He said, There is God speaking now. He said, For my mouth it has commanded, and his spirit it has guarded them. Now, according to this scripture, Okay, now when you read it from the NLT, it says, Search the book of the Lord and see what he will do. Not one of these birds and animals will be missing, and none will lack a mate. For the Lord has promised this. His spirit will make it all come true. Now, do you see what is happening here? This is actually also speaking of the context of creation, how creation was even made. The Father spoke the word and the Spirit gathered the words and brought them to manifestation. Such that, so that you will now understand that in creation, the three dimensions of God or the three persons of God took part in creation. I want to make it so simple for you to understand. But mostly I find it very difficult to make it simple. And may the Lord help our simple selves to understand. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now, everything in God's creation was purposed in the heart of the Father to look like the Word. 
Are you following? So it is like this. The father will bring the resources from his heart. The mind will process the resources and put them together. Then the spirit will package them. So I want to build an industry that I will produce sardines. So in the production, we need people who go directly to the sea and bring us the fishes. We now take it to the factory where we take it through the processing machines. And the machines will now salt the fishes, put some oil, do this, do this, do this. Then, at the latter point, there is what we call the packaging. So now, we who are buying it, we are buying it directly from those who are selling. But then, it passed through three main dimensions. Straight from the sea, then went through the processing machines, then it was now packaged. Sometimes people can only look at the packaging of the thing and buy. Are you getting it? So the raw materials actually come from the heart of the father. Then the mind of the son processes everything. Then the hand of the spirit will now gather things. So the raw materials that are coming from the heart of the father will now be processed by the word. And it is mostly in the process that you get the exact image the thing is supposed to look like. Whether the thing is going to have an expiry date or not, it, it, is, it, it takes the process. Are you getting my point? Good. What it means is that the process actually becomes how the thing at the end will look like. Because it is the process that will determine the content of the thing. Are you getting my point? So all that I'm trying to communicate to us is that the father actually spoke the word. And the spirit now gathered the spoken word of the father and brought it into manifestation. Now we know that the word is the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you following? Now do you know the main reason why your Samsung Galaxy S23 Ultra looks like the way it looks is because in the mind of the manufacturer that is what he imagined it to be like. Are you following? <laughs> My son said the best phone ever. Exactly. Exactly. Are you following? 
So it looks like that because that was the picture in the mind of the manufacturer. Raw materials were brought, but they were only put together to be in the shape of the image that is already in the mind of the manufacturer. Is that not so? So if you want to trace the very true nature of your phone, it can actually be found in the mind of the manufacturer. Even though raw materials were now brought and people had to put everything together, but then the putting of everything together, that means that it is the image in the mind that makes every other thing what it is. I'm trying to make it very simple. <laughs> in other words, everything, that phone you have is exactly in the image that is in the mind of the manufacturer because it was made to look like it. What it means is that in creation, they all agreed that they are going to make everything like Christ. I don't know if you are getting the point. Are you now catching it? Nice one. And in making everything like Christ, based on the assignment the Godhead wanted to accomplish, in making everything in the image, which is the Christ, a lot of things had to go on. It was actually through this that the Father began to make promises to the Son. And He promised the Son everything. Now I told you that the context in which the Father was going to get His sons, the Son was going to get His bride, and the Spirit is also going to get His body, that context was called the Kingdom. And because administratively, based on how the Godhead, the Trinity was arranged, the Father became the head, it meant that he was now the ruler of the kingdom. Are you getting it? That is how automatically their agreement will put the Father. Now, based on the sons that the Father wanted to get, he began to give promises to the Son so that the son will rather go and get the sons for the father. And the son also said, okay, whilst I'm going to get you your sons, prepare them to be a bride for me. Now the father said, okay, I'm going to prepare them to be a bride unto you. And then the preparation of these ones to be a bride can mostly be done by my hand. So he also referred to the spirit and he told the spirit, work on them and let them become bride for my son. And then the spirit also said, fine, the more I work on them, I have to prepare them to be a temple that I can dwell therein. That is where I also get my body. I don't know if you are catching the thing. So this is how the whole conversation actually took place. 
So that at the end, the father gets his sons through the son. Then the son also gets his bride through the workings of the father and the spirit. Then the spirit will also get his body through the workings of the father and the son. <laughs> Is that not beautiful? And the more I explain this to the uttermost part, eh, you will know that the word of God is sweet. And I don't know what they have been teaching us from Sunday school. As if all these things are not in the Bible. Are you following? Do you even know? Let me. I mean, we are we can create in Chile. I mean, we are the in Chile. Drew Hobart or the Mamunia Kitu have been functional. Hallelujah. Do you know that this body will change? Hope you know that. This body we have. Hope you know it will change. And anytime you hear that the body is changing, which dimension of God do you think is going to really benefit from this one? Looking at the word, the changing of the body. The spirit. Because he's the one that said he needs a body. But do you know that the spirit cannot get a body by himself only? He needs the father. And let me let you understand. So the Bible said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, that even when this earthly physical body is destroyed, we have a body of God that is in heaven that the Father is preparing. So now you see, the same body that the Holy Spirit is changing this physical body into to dwell in, that is the same body the Father is building. So it is actually a working together assignment here. And I don't know if you are catching what I'm saying. Kovanaya. <laughs> The Father is working. He is building the body. Whilst the Spirit is also building the temple. It is the same body. And that is why this body, which is the glorious body, it can be experienced in two ways. Either you leave this earthly body and go and meet the Father, and receive yours later. Or, you will not leave this earthly body, but by the working together of the Spirit and the Father, this physical body is now changed. I think if you are getting it. So when you leave this earthly body, you will get your glorious body. When Jesus is descending. And do you know why? The descending of Jesus is so beautiful to Jesus himself. Because that is the day that his bride is also ready. So when Jesus is descending. He's descending to come for his bride. 
And it is actually that day he is descending to come for his bride that we are also going to be changed. Our bodies are going to be changed. And that then the spirit will now fully also have his body. And the, the moment our bodies change, that the spirit now gets his body, then we have now become matured sons unto the father. Hallelujah. So the coming of the Lord Jesus has a lot in it. I'm telling you. And everything will come together as one. Oh, hallelujah. Even my message, I have not, have not started. But I don't want you to miss this. This, <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. You see? Oh yeah, this is just the introduction. We are now coming to the message. If you catch what happened between the Godhead before creation began, you will be shocked. You will, you will not, you will be like, hey, really God, the creator of the universe, having all these plans with me in mind? What? How? Hallelujah. Now, the Father began to make promises to the Son. Now, this thing that happened in the Trinitarian Council, a glimpse of it was revealed to Daniel, the prophet, in the book of Daniel, chapter 7. Daniel, chapter 7. When you read from verse 1, we are going to be jumping some of the verses based on what we are talking about. You let's read Daniel chapter 7, verse 1. Now in verse 1, the Bible said, In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. So this one, this whole account is about the dream and visions that Daniel had, that he had written. Now let's jump to verse 10. Okay, let's jump to verse 9 and 10. Verse 9 and 10. Now in verse 9, one of the visions that Daniel had, he said, whilst he was in the spirit realm and in the visions, he was carried to a particular dimension. And as he was there looking at what was happening, he said, I watched as thrones were put in place and the ancient one sat down to judge. Take note of the word ancient one. His clothing was as white as snow, his hair like purest wool. He sat on a fiery throne 
with wheels of blazing fire. And a river of fire was pouring out, flowing from his presence, a river of fire. The King James says, a fiery stream. Then he said, millions of angels ministered to him, and many millions stood attend him. Then the court began its session, and the books were opened. Now, let's jump to verse 13 and 14. Now, when you begin to look at this, you will realize that Daniel is telling us about something that happened from the beginning of the creation. How God began to arrange things. Now, we all know that the word of the Lord said, God said, heaven is my throne. I hope you all know that. Good. In the book of Isaiah chapter 66, verse 1. It said, Thus says the Lord, The heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me? And where is the place of my rest? That should let you know that heaven is not the house of God. Heaven is not the resting place of God. It is the throne of God. Amen. Are you catching this one? And I think I've said this before. Heaven is not the dwelling place of God. Heaven is God's throne. The Bible did not say the throne of God is in heaven. No, it said the whole heaven is my throne. And when we say a throne, we are not talking about a chair, a big chair that a king is sitting on. No, we are talking about a system of rulership that brings what we call government and kingdom. Are you following This is the reason why, you know, there is a clear difference between certain nations, for example. And right, it is because of all these democracy and governmental systems that we now don't understand how things began. We don't know matters concerning the kingdom, but at least if you go to the United Kingdom, you will see a little bit of some of these things. Are you following? You will know that there is a difference between a seat and a throne. You will realize that when it comes to presidential seat, it is not about family affair. And we all know we detest that. When a president is leaving and his son is coming to you know, be in his position, and it looks like the thing has been arranged according to family. You don't, you don't get it. But you can't do that when it comes to kinship. Because the matter is about the royal family. <laughs> are you following? That is what throne is. So when it comes to thrones, we are dealing with matters of sons. Are you following? 
and I wish I can open your eyes a little bit on something. The throne of God is called the throne of grace. The whole throne of God is called the throne of grace. But there is something we call mercy seat. It's not mercy throne. It is a mercy seat. Uh, <laughs> okay, so go and catch your revelation from the throne of grace and the mercy seat and put it together. The Lord will help you. But what I want you to understand is that when God is in heaven, he's a king that is ruling. But when God is in a man, he's a father that is in his home. So the best place God wants to dwell as a father is not in heaven, but it is in man. Beautiful. <laughs> I love the way Sami is bringing out the scriptures. He wants me to say something, but I won't say. Amen. Mercy is a beautiful thing. But mercy is a child of what grace is. Grace is a throne. Mercy is a city. Do you know what it means? It means that mercy can change. But grace does not. Let me show you one secret about mercy too. When it comes to mercy, there is a certain dimension of God that is connected to mercy that you will not understand. That dimension is this. He decides who he will show mercy to. So when it comes to mercy, so the Bible said, it is not him that willeth, nor him that runneth, but God that showeth mercy. So, and God said, I, I show mercy to whom I show mercy to. What it means is that I, I choose the one I want to show mercy to. But when the grace of God was bringing salvation, the Bible said in the book of Titus chapter 2 verse 11, that the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. All men. Mercy is selective. Grace is to all. Even though mercy is a dimension of grace. Are you following? Mercy is a seat. Grace is a throne. And so long as it is a seat, those that sit on will keep changing. But so long as it is a throne, so long as grace is a throne, 
their lineage, their family will continually sit on it till the end of creation. Okay, you are, you, are, you are pushing me to divert the more. Let me come back to say some final things before we close. Hallelujah. Okay. Now. The father began to make promises to the son. Now, when you read verse 13 and 14 of Daniel 7, we are now going to understand some of the things that the father promised the son. So in the Trinitarian Council, the father called the son and he came to stand before him. And a certain picture was even made or given to some of the angels when God made them. Because when God was taking the counsel in, in the Trinitarian realm, there was nothing like angels created. But when God created the heavens and all the angels, the millions and the zillions of them, he played exactly what happened in the Trinitarian Council in that heavenly atmosphere. And that is what Daniel caught and he was now telling us. So he said, now thrones have been set and the ancient of days has sat on the throne to judge. Now explained and told us how the ancient of days looks like and everything. And then after that, he's now telling us something. In verse 13, and 14, Daniel chapter 7. Now, when the thrones were set and everything, Daniel said, And I saw in the ninth vision, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the ancient of days, and they brought him near before him. Can you see what is happening here? He said, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, with the clouds of heaven, came to the ancient of these. Okay, let me ask a simple question. It is, doesn't this look like it is talking about two different beings? Can you hear me? Doesn't it look like the ancient of this is different from the Son of Man? Because the Bible said the Son of Man appeared with a cloud and then they brought him before the ancient of this. So who is this ancient of this and who is this Son of Man? Now we all know through our scripture when the Bible makes mention of the Son of Man, we are actually talking about the Lord Jesus Christ who is the Word of God. And the ancient of this is actually the Father. So now, the son appeared and they brought the son before the father. And when they brought the son before the father, the father did something to the son. This is what he did. The Bible said in verse 14. Now, you see what the... That's why I said what we are, Daniel is talking about here is a picture of what took place already in the Trinitarian Council. Now, this time around, it's been taking place in heaven. And at that time, the angels have been created. 
So these angels actually brought the son before the father. Are you getting what is happening based on the vision that Daniel had? Good. Now, when the son was now brought before the father, the Bible said, verse 14, and there was giving him dominion. So the father gave the son dominion. That's the first thing. Then the second thing the father gave to the son is called glory. Then the third thing the father gave to the son is called kingdom. And when the father gave dominion, glory, and kingdom, To the Son. Now we pray a prayer. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And we still don't understand what we have said. What does it mean? by our fighter. Good afternoon, heaven. We don't know we are seeing deeper things without understanding. <laughs> the, the young girl said, our fighter, good afternoon, heaven. Hello, Bidane. May the Lord help us. Now, I told you that because the Father is the administrative head in the Godhead, the kingdom belonged to him. Are you getting it? He became the king of the kingdom. But then he now delivered the kingdom to the Son. He gave the Son glory and he gave the Son dominion. Now, why did he give these three dimensions of things to the son at this moment? The Bible said, so that all people, all nations, and all languages should serve him. So the father gave dominion, glory, and kingdom to the son, so that all the nations of the world, all people, all languages will serve him. And he said, his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Oh, glory. So I put certain things down. Some of the things the father promised the son. The first one is the kingdom. The kingdom and we just saw how the father delivered the kingdom to the son in the book of luke chapter 22 verse 29 when jesus was with the disciples he made a certain statement to them he made a statement to them luke 22 verse 29 jesus said to the disciples i appoint unto you a kingdom as my father 
has appointed unto me. The International Standard Version says, And I confer a kingdom on you, just as my Father has conferred a kingdom on me. So you see, the Father now conferred the kingdom unto the Son, and the Son is also now conferring the kingdom unto us. Why is he doing so? Hallelujah. So the first thing the father promised the son was a kingdom. The gift of Hallelujah. Luke 22 verse 29. The second thing the father promised the son was delicious. So I told you the reason why he gave the son the kingdom so that all nations, all people, all languages will serve him. So the father promised the son, I am going to give you the nations. In the book of Psalm 2, verse 6 to 8. The book of Psalms. Psalms 2, 6 to 8. He said, For the Lord declares, I have placed my chosen king on the throne in Jerusalem, on my holy mountain. The king proclaims the Lord's decrees. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Now you see, when the Lord, the son came to stand before the father, the father declared to him, Did you read David said, The Lord said, Unto my Lord. I hope you know that. <laughs> the Lord said to my Lord. He's, what he's trying to say is that the Father said to the Son. The Father said, I have declared you to be my Son from today. And I have become your Father. Only ask and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. The whole earth as your possession. So the father promised the son that he would give the nations to the son. And he would give the whole earth to the son. So the second promise that the father made to the son was the nations. Are you following Janelle, how are you? It's been a long time. Good to see you. God bless you. Now, the father promised the son the kingdom. And you see, the beautiful part of it is that it doesn't matter the number of kingdoms that will pop up in this world. A time will come. All these kingdoms will become the kingdom of God. And that is the kingdom of Christ. So in the book of Revelation chapter 11 verse 15, the Bible said, 
when the last angel sounded the seventh or the last trumpet, there was a great noise, great voices in heaven. And this is what the voices were saying. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Hallelujah. Then we, have, we also read that the father, after promising the son, the kingdom, he also promised the son, the nations. He said, ask of me and I will give the nations to you as an inheritance and the whole earth as a possession. Now, the third promise that the father made to the son was that he would give the son power over all things and that is the dominion power over all things power over all things and it is said in the book of Matthew 28 verse 18 Matthew 28 verse 18 Matthew 28, verse 18. I want someone to post it here for us. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. He said, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 27, the Bible said, For he has put all things under his feet. But when he says, all things are put under him. It is to manifest that he is expected, which they put all things under him. So you see, God has put all things under his authority. Of course, when he says all things are under his authority, that does not include God himself, the Father, who gave Christ his authority. Oh, this Paul. Oh, Paul. Oh, Paul. <laughs> oh, Paul. Oh, son. So you see, the father gave the son all power. He actually put everything under him, with the exception of he himself, the father. All these promises the father made to the son. And the next thing the father promised the son was judgment. Now we read that the ancient of these sat down to judge. Is that also in the book of Daniel chapter 7? Verse 10. 
when the thrones were set, the ancient of days, the father sat down to judge. But now, when he sat down and the son of man came to stand before him, he even gave the judgment to the son. In the book of John, chapter 5, verse 22. John, chapter 5, verse 22. Listen to what the Bible said. Now the father actually is the judge of all, but he now gave the judgment to the son. So he said, in addition, the father judges no one. Instead, he has given the son absolute authority to judge. Hmm. That is that's a serious promise. You give him your kingdom. You give him all powers. You, what? You have also promised to give him judgment. Said For the father judges no one, but he has given all judgment. That is the prerogative of judging to the son. Placing it entirely into his hands. So now the father does not judge. It is only the son that judges. And that is why once you believe in the son, and he comes and sits down and makes a judgmental pronouncement that you are righteous. Sonia and Wana. Hallelujah. And that's what the Bible says. Who the son sets free, eh? he is free indeed. If you go and check, everything has been given to the son. It is a promise. Hallelujah. So the Bible said that the father does not judge anyone. But he has given all, he has committed all judgment unto the Son. Hallelujah. So in the book of Acts chapter 17, verse 30 and 31. Acts chapter 17, verse 30. And 31. The Bible said, And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Because men were ignorant, but now, dear, He wants everybody to repent. This is because, He said, God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now He commands everyone everywhere to repent. Of their sins and tend to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. <laughs> oh, glory. God has set a day that he's going to let his appointed. The one he has ordained to judge. And he proved to the people that this is the one who is going to judge all things by raising him from the dead. 
So even the raising of Jesus from the dead was a sign that he, is, he will be the one that will judge. And that is the reason why once you believe that he died and resurrected, you are on his side. Are you following? Tonya, uni Yesu ejane betwa Yesu ati. Rade, edi atemu ni na shani nsem. Bra, jani bra, bra. Hallelujah. These are some of the things some of our evangelists are supposed to teach us. Hallelujah. May the Lord help us. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Now, after the Father made all these promises to the Son, He said, Because I am God, and I do not change, even though I have made a promise, but I want my son to know that no matter the matter, I will fulfill all these promises. So what God the Father did was that he entered into a covenant with the son so that all the promises will be sealed in a legal way. And the sealing of the promises with a covenant was to prove that God would never go against his eternal counsel. But the Bible spoke about it in the book of Hebrews chapter 6, verse 17 and 18. Hebrews chapter 6. Verse 17. You let's only stand on verse 17. Hebrews 6. The Bible said, that is what the ISV says, said, in the same way, when God wanted to make the unchangeable character of his purpose perfectly clear to the heirs of his promise, he guaranteed it with an oath. That God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. <laughs> we have not yet come to the matters of the saints. God. <laughs> Hallelujah. God made a promise to the son and he, he sealed it with an oath. He bound himself with an oath so that you will know he will never change his mind on his promises. Now, you know, in our world, when a guy says, I will marry you, come on, Natayasa. And you quickly believe. You will now later understand why the Bible says, Let God be true, no men be liars. <laughs> you see, we are in a generation, eh? A guy will promise you. And he will later even enter into a covenant with you so that you will think that is all. You don't know. 
People can break their covenant, whether they will die or not, they don't care. The hands will break it. That's why you need to be wise. It's in the Bible say, Cursed be the one who puts his trust in man. Are you listening to me? It is only God that is a covenant keeping God. It does not change. Are you following? So I said this in church last Sunday. There's something I'll say we are going to meet in the evening for prophetic training. The evening near the passing. Yeah, no prophetic training me. Then pot bean people will be beating me. It was a promise. I feel. Sometimes maybe I could say, "Walai talai meet," but talai is you meet. I know some of you, when, we, when I say we are going to meet and we don't meet, eh? there are many people, the moment I say we are going to meet God willing this evening, they will do, <coughs> your throat will, 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 will break. Hmm? Amen. <laughs> you see, people are already confessing. Some of them are even asking for forgiveness. I know. And the reason why I keep failing you is because I'm a man. I'm a man. Don't trust me. Trust only God. <laughs> Amen. I see the Spirit of the Lord come upon you. All right. So, people of God, these are the promises that God, the Father, made to the Son in the council of the Trinity. But now the question is, how come we all became heirs of that same promise? Do you even know the Bible said we are joint heirs with Christ? What it means is that what Christ is inheriting from the Father, we are also entitled in receiving the same thing. What it simply means is that we have now also come to the place of the Son. So that the way God sees the Christ is the same way He sees us. A whole lot of things happen for us to come to that place. And that's what we are going to talk about God willing on Wednesday. What actually brought us to the same place of the Son? And the Lord is going to help us and grant us divine grace in Jesus' precious mighty name. Amen. Oh, okay, let me say it. On Wednesday, we are going to have a teaching service in church. So we might not meet here for. <laughs> but then, um, I'm going to connect us live. It is a sermon I don't want us to forget. Are you following? Yes. I want all of us to know that the Lord is going to help us. So please, I will do my best to connect us live on Podbean 
so that and even if we don't get it live on board we will record it and i will upload it on the telegram channel so that you can go and download it hallelujah may the favor of the lord locate you home in the mighty name of the lord jesus i pray that the heavenly father will cause his life to shine upon you in the name of the lord jesus May the grace of God increase on your lives. Oh, may God fill your eyes with divine light. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray that from today, depth in the word of God will be launched into your soul. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, may you begin to go deep in the matters of the word of God. In Jesus' precious mighty name, amen. Right, the Lord bless you and favor you all in Jesus' precious mighty name. Amen. Please, we are going to meet at exactly 12 a.m. for priesthood time. Okay, let me correct that one too. God willing, tomorrow is Tuesday, so we will not be able to meet for. what I'm doing so that you will not later go and say he promised and he has failed. Even if I fail in my promises, I am not the one that he has promised he will never fail. I will adore him. I will adore him. You understand? You can't adore me. Amen. Amen. Alright, God bless you and keep all of you strong. In Jesus' precious mighty name. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Please don't forget we have 40 days praise and fasting ahead of us on the 21st of February to the 31st of March. So get yourself prepared. Hallelujah. This year, the better fasting part because near Manang, I mean, I shall be unfairly at the end in a more. I'm here, I be brave. Miss Rebel, on former year for me to home. A betiano, a ye, don't go to castle. Are you listening to me? Yeah, oh, man, I'm good. This is morning tea, morning tea, morning teas. I don't want both tea bear petty letters. What is wrong with you? Some of you to date, no yeti goop, and you can crack the monomo de bread now. Boom, that thing we don't call it capo. Well, crua, crua, well, bonesia. 
David e me urade nkwaji kru aso na wabo ni dinu u de ti kru ana wo maso so ana koso bunya mi be o bless you and favor you in the name of the lord jesus we shall meet god willing on wednesday shalom to you all wonderful people of god if you feel led by the spirit of god to release any seed the number is 024031255 0240312551. Please right after here. My time is fast spent here, so we are go- I'm going to upload the message so that you can go and download and soak it again. And know the Lord will hatch new lives of revelations in your heart. You are blessed and highly favored. In Jesus' precious mighty name. Shalom. Bye bye. Oh, Lord, who is like unto thee?